You know, I'm going to tell you something that nobody else is going to tell you about Patrick Mahomes. Everybody's blaming Taylor Swift. Everybody's blaming Travis Kelsey. But I'm going to tell you something about Patrick Mahomes that's got me a little bit blanked off. Hey, look, Gritty and all our Colts no-showed. They didn't show in a massive game. Ravens' best team in the NFL. Steve Kerr is pissed. You know what? We got a lot to talk about. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope you had a great, great weekend. Don't at me starts right now. That's right. The store is open. Go woke, go broke, outkick. I'm wearing it because, well, I'm a team player, always will be a team player, have never not been a team player. All right, let's get right into this. A lot of people, and rightfully so, are blaming Travis Kelsey. A lot of people are blaming Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, bad. She's a jink. She can't get it done. She has distracted Travis Kelsey. I'll give you the numbers. You tell me. Let's go first with that. With Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey has seven catches, 90 yards. Without uh, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey is six catches for 50 yards. Yeah, I I don't think Travis Kelsey looks very good. In fact, I would argue Travis Kelsey looks bad, but I don't know that that's got anything to do with Taylor Swift. I don't know that it's got like, okay, Taylor Swift is in his life. She's Yoko Ono. She's breaking up the Beatles. I'll tell you what I think it is, and you will not hear this anywhere. The 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 Chiefs are three and five in their last eight, and Travis Kelsey has one touchdown. Okay, that's the Chiefs. But the deal is nobody wants to say nothing about Mahomes. I thought Mahomes yesterday acted like a petulant little child. I thought Mahomes yesterday was terrible. And I'll tell you even more. And nobody's going to say this because nobody understands it or people are still kissing Patrick Mahomes' backside. But I got to tell you, he has no respect for the opponent. Like, I get it. You're going to make plays and you're the great extender and you throw it underhand around your back and all that. And I get it. When it works, it's great. But as I watch Mahomes, you know what I see? A guy with no respect. Like the pass that he should have thrown away that ended up being an interception to Mahomes' right, right on the sideline, was one of the most ridiculous plays you're ever going to see. He had nothing there. And he throws it, and it gets picked, and next thing you know, it's all gone. How about about having a little respect for opponents, Andy Reid? I mean, the whole we're going to snap it to Panchero, we're going to run an option with Patrick Mahoney. What are you doing? They have no respect for their opponents. And when you don't have respect for your opponents, I don't care whether it's football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, it jumps up and bites you right in the dupayash. It does. It takes a big old hunk right out of your backside. Andy Reid, what, what, why are we snapping it to anybody other than Mahomes? Other than maybe a wildcat around the goal line, you don't want to get Mahomes hurt. Why are we running options when you get the ball back and you got a chance to at least go up in the first half of a game that's kind of important? At least it's important enough to get you right. That was bad business. And I'm telling you, people are saying, well, no be enemy. Well, no, 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 no. Patrick Mahomes has no respect for the opponent. And Andy Reid is following suit. I bet you they told Mahomes, hey, we're going to have a lot of fun here. We're going to snap it to Panchero, and he's going to run the read option with you in the backfield. Oh, okay. Or we're going to snap it to Panchero, and it worked. 
you're going to run behind him like we're going to flip it to you and score a touchdown. That's great. Do that crap when you're in the red zone, I guess. I don't know why you got to do that crap anyway. It's silly to me. But it all comes down to one very simple thing. They, the Chiefs, have no respect for opponents. And when you do that, it's your ass. It's your booty. It's your backside. The football gods. Look, here. think about it this way. All right, so you look at this group right here. Greatest quarterback in the league. Greatest wide. Okay. They're three and five. Now, there's 17 games in an NFL season, so you're basically talking about half the season. They're two games under 500. And to be honest with you, it looks like they could continue on this path because, well, frankly, their receivers don't catch the ball. Kelsey looks washed up. He does. Yeah, all right. Now let me get to the Taylor Swift part of it. I don't disagree that you have to, you have to at least look at whether or not these guys are doing too many commercials. Let me throw something out to you. Right now, some guy named Nick K-A-Y-A-L. He's from Philly. I think he's a media guy. Host of Kale and Company put something interesting out, and this is how a coach thinks. Listen to this. Travis Kelsey's priority list. One Swift, two Pfizer, three Bud Light, four podcasts, five catching passes. Get woke, go broke, never fails. Well, I don't know if that's true or not, but the coach in me would say, hey, dude, I can't swing a dead cat without seeing you, your brother, your mother in some commercial. And you must have made some of these during the season. Now, you're a pro. I ain't mad at you. But this is getting into your game. That's what I would say as a coach with some very pointed language. But think about it. We got him doing commercials. How many times did did he have to film this commercial? How many days were lost? I don't know whether his priority was Taylor Swift, but it seems like a big deal. Bud Light, I don't know. Podcasting, it is. It's a popular podcast. And then there's catching passes, and I got to tell you, he don't catch nothing. He don't catch a cold. And she's up there, and I'm not going to lie to you. I don't get the whole Taylor Swift thing. You guys do. I don't. I don't get it. My daughter does. She's a Swifty. Everybody's Swift. I don't get it. I don't get how this is the new or she is the new Michael Jackson. I don't get it. I don't want to get it. I, 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 I would rather, I don't know, get something else than get that. But damn. So if you're going to ask me, is she a distraction? I'd say, yeah, probably, but not to the point where Mahomes throws the ball to the other team, where Mahomes is crying on the sidelines constantly. I mean, that's what I see. And when you're that angry, when you look at Mahomes, he's frustrated about a lot of things, you can tell. Certainly his own play, but also I would guarantee you he's frustrated by his wide receivers and tight ends constantly dropping balls. Hell, Kelsey dropped one as soon as the game started. And it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous, ridiculous. All right, let me get into a couple things here. You know, every week I tell you the officiating stinks in the NFL, and it stinks because of diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
I mean, how many freaking women do we see out there refereeing? Oh my God. Hey, look, we all get it. We all got to stand on our head, jump up and down and crap snowballs and say diversity. Yay. Inclusion. Yay. Equity. Yay. More women, more minorities. Yay. You know what I say? Hey, give me the best officials. Just give me the best official. So Micah Parson feels the same way. Micah Parsons pissed. And here's the bottom line why Micah Parsons is pissed. Micah Parsons has gone 38 straight quarters without, listen for it, getting a holding call against him. Now, I don't know if you've seen some of the video of Micah Parsons yesterday, but he's getting held. There's one where a guy's got his arms wrapped around him. I mean, it's a train wreck. A big-time, big-time train wreck. And he's gone damn near 10 games without drawing a penalty. He got a roughing the passer call yesterday where the official said he was trying to punish the quarterback. Well, no, duh, as the children say. No, duh. Of course he's trying to punish the quarterback. Isn't it football? I think it's football. I do. And Parsons wasn't happy. Parsons said it's mind-blowing the things that are getting called, and the positions that we get put in. He's talking about having to overcome these things. We just have to learn to fight the adversity. I know a lot of it is BS, but it's the world we live in. We've got the star on our helmet. Really? So I'm not not saying that it's because they're the Dallas Cowboys. In fact, I would argue that in the real world, they, being the NFL, want the Dallas Cowboys to succeed, want Dallas to go deep. They don't need a Carolina against Tampa Bay Super Bowl or a Carolina against uh, Arizona or whatever. They don't need that crap. They need Denver against Carolina. Nobody needs that. They need Dallas against the Jets. And get everybody watching. So I don't buy the whole, well, you know, we've got the star on our helmet. They're picking on us. I would say they got the star on their helmet. They're trying to help us. That's what I would say. Doesn't mean I'm right. But the fact of the matter is officiating is so awful across the board. And people are deciding games with bad officiating. You do it. I know you do it. You look down to see if that flag is either. I forget what network has it right in the middle here or in the right-hand corner. All right, here's more from Parsons. The ref said my intent was to punish the quarterback. Well, let's talk about it. He should. Well, your intent was to punish the quarterback. Well, of course. I don't want him throwing. I don't want Tua happy back there. I want Tua giving it this. I want him looking over his shoulder. I want him wondering if I'm going to come knock his block off. How am I trying to punish him? I'm just trying to sack him. It's not like it was a late hit. It's not like I'm leaving my feet. I didn't leave with my head. I don't know how you make that call. See, that's the problem. Michael Parsons is explaining to everybody, including fans, what do I do? You told me don't lead with my head. I didn't. You told me lead with my shoulder. I did. You told me there's a target area I could hit him. I hit him there. What do you want me to do? 
That is the biggest question defensive players have. You know, back in the day, and it wasn't that long ago, a guy would make a big hit, you know, running back or, or receiver coming across the middle, catch it, boom. And people would cheer the big hit. And then if a guy was hurt, people would be, okay, let's not cheer and let's chill out and let's relax and let's hope this guy's okay. Now, when you see a big hit, now when you see somebody running full speed and hitting somebody, you immediately look for the flag. You immediately go, well, that's got to be unnecessary roughing because he hit him too hard, isn't it? No, what? No, it's not. And frankly, that's not the way football should be. Football should be, if you're going to say we're not going to hit you in the head with the helmet, then don't. We're going to see what we hit. We're going to lead with the shoulder. We're going to give you one, maybe two steps to hit the quarterback. But football shouldn't be because a guy hits another guy hard. It's immediately a penalty. You know, years ago, not even that long ago, two or three years ago, NFL players started to say, you know what? This is becoming flag football. Well, if you watch it, it's becoming flat football. Sure, there's still some big hits. Sure, there's still violence in it. But how many times do you see guys run out of bounds when they could get three to five extra yards? How many times do you see a penalty called for a hit and you go, wait a second, that's just football? How many times do you see guys blocked by just putting their hands up and getting in the way? That's what you do in flag football because you don't want to get, you don't know whether a hold is going to be called. You don't know. The officiating is so bad that it has helped along with the rules, along with money where guys are making business decisions. It has helped to become flag football. And that's too bad. That's just too bad. All right. The NFL yesterday, a couple of things. Let's go through some games. First and foremost, the San Francisco 49ers against against the Baltimore Ravens was a no contest because, well, Brock Purdy couldn't throw the ball to his own team. Now, got his arm hit on one. I get all that. But serious, he was awful. Awful. And he got benched. Now, they said late hit or hard hit, but he had his helmet on on the sideline. Here's what needs to happen for the 49ers. If you're playing against the 49ers, The next game is massive. The next game is huge. I'll tell you what. Professional quarterback, he's not really going to lose his confidence after one bad game. Not really. I mean, by the time you play your next game, you are, I don't know, you're, you're back. You've practiced. You've gone through. You're back. I mean, you just are. All right? You know, I mean, people don't want to admit it. People want to say, well, you know, no confidence. Okay. Well, then I'm making sure I got this right. The next game is at Washington. And it's going to be the biggest game by far of Brock Purdy's career. Because if he has another game where he's bad, now you got a problem. Now Aaron Donald comes in the next week and you got a serious problem. Watch that game. Now, it's kind of an innocuous game other than they still, they being the 49ers, still have a shot at the number one seed, thus a bye. But the fact of the matter is they got this guy. He's a six-round pick. He's a mystery irrelevant or seventh-round pick. He 
great start, fantastic fit to the offense, MVP-ish, yeah, right. But now he's been challenged. Now he got benched. I don't care what they say. You can say it was a hard hit. He had his helmet on. He was ready to go. The next game is going to be the most interesting. If he throws a couple picks, if Washington can get to him, now Washington stinks, but if Washington can get to him, mark my words, it's going to be a little different deal. There's going to be some questions. He was Mr. Irrelevant for a reason. And I know all of you say, yeah, but Tom Brady, name me another. Name me another sixth, seventh round pick. I'll listen. That became a Super Bowl champ. I'll listen. Mark my words. And I'll tell you this. Um, it is no question who the MVP of the league is. I mean, there's no question in my mind that Lamar Jackson is now the front right now. I can go away next week, but as I can only go by what is happening now. Lamar Jackson organized. Lamar Jackson escaped. Lamar Jackson gained. Lamar Jackson ran. Lamar Jackson did everything he needed to do in a humongous game to lead his team. And it wasn't just the interceptions. I mean, they couldn't get to Lamar Jackson. They wanted to. They tried. Dude put up 33 points. Let me go through Lamar Jackson. 252 yards passing. 45 yards rushing. No interceptions. Two touchdowns. Say it all the time. You get these big late season game. Who plays better? Well, Lamar Jackson did. Uh, we talked about the Raiders taking down the Chiefs. I hope they give the job to Antonio Pierce. I mean, that's a big win. And really, you could see it early. Max Crosby in that defense was all jazzed up. But I'm telling you, like the nose on my face, I'm telling you, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have any respect for the other team. No respect. Throwing the ball lazily, flipping it up in the air, not throwing it away. He learned respect yesterday. And if I were his offensive coordinator, if I was Matt Nagy, and I know a lot of people in Chicago are telling me it's the Matt Nagy factor, I don't buy it. I'd sit Mahomes down right now and say, look, you don't have respect. And when you don't have respect, the football gods crush your soul. They just do. Hey, you want some good news in the NFL? The Detroit Football Lions, I did not realize it has been since 1993. Since the Detroit Football Lions won a division. No, no, no. I didn't say Super Bowl. I didn't say AFC, NFC. I didn't say any FCs. No, no, no. I didn't say first time they won. No, first time they won a division. And let's be honest. Over the years, that division hasn't been great. I mean, the Bears, eh. Minnesota, eh. I mean, eh, right? No, I don't know. Detroit, awful. That You haven't won it since 93? 30 years? Good for, good for Dan Campbell. And good for Jared Goff. We forget Jared Goff was the first pick in the draft, and everybody was hating on Jared Goff. Ah, he's a bust. I ah, can't do this. I ah, can't do that. And then Dan Campbell comes in. Everybody says, ah, he's a meathead. Now, you know what Dan Campbell has shown? Dan Campbell has shown that toughness matters in football. It just does. Hey, Mason Rudolph is next in line. A lot of you don't remember Lynn Sanity. Lynn Sanity was the guy that guy Lynn. He was an Asian kid from Stanford. Had unbelievable, about a six, seven, nine game stretch. 
with the New York Knicks. People lost their mind. Cover of every magazine. Well, Tommy DeVito was that for a minute. He's out. Mason Rudolph's next. Yeah, you remember Mason Rudolph, the guy who got clonked in the head by Miles Garrett, and then Miles Garrett lied and said that Mason Rudolph called him a racist because that's what everybody does when they act stupid, or that's what African Americans do when you act stupid uh, against a white dude. You say everybody's racist. See uh, Norfolk State against Illinois State. Anyway, anyway, Mason Rudolph came in. And you know what? Remember I told you about Browning? Browning is the next thing. Browning scored 11 points for the Bengals. Browning out. Mason Rudolph in next. We got DeVito. We got Browning. Gardner Minshew, their team. My my team, my Colts didn't show up. Out, gone. Bills, Chargers. Bills escaped. Good for the Bills. Chargers, under an interim coach, played better. But the Bills got it done. And Josh Allen lives to see another day. Hey, Colts, you got a show, man. Now, Colts are eight and seven, but they no-showed. They they did nothing against the Falcons. This was like two weeks ago against the Bengals. Colts showed up, gave up a touchdown on the first drive, got a touchdown themselves, and then just wilted. There was nothing dynamic. There was nothing there for the Colts. It was really interesting because the Falcons kind of stinks. I mean, it's not like the Falcons are great. Taylor Heineke and all that. And then everybody on the ESP or on all the shows are mad for benching Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter stunk. Heineke came in, scored 29. And the Colts got beat because the Colts didn't try. Like, you watch the Colts some days, you're like, man, that's high-energy team. You watch Colts other days, you're like, they stinks. They don't even – but they're in the playoffs right now. It's the damnedest thing ever. But if you're watching the Colts like I'm watching the Colts, the one thing that stands out, Michael Pittman was out. Jonathan Taylor was in, and he scored a touchdown. But the one thing that really stands out, no playmakers. None. Zero. Zip. Uh, Geno Smith returned, and I'm sad about this. I'm not sad that Geno Smith returned. I like Geno Smith. Seems like a smart guy. I like the fact that he returned. But I'm sad that Vrabel can't get this thing figured out. I am. I like Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel donated to our uh, to our show, to our bikes program. So I like Vrabel. I want Vrabel to do well. He's my favorite NFL coach because Vrabel sacked up. He showed out, as the kids say, and he gave us bikes and he donated and he gave us tickets. And we had an unbelievable, great, uh, unbelievable time. But I got to tell you, he has not been able to figure this out. And I'm very sad about it. I am. I don't know what to tell you. It's like, man, I wish you could get a win, but Geno Smith, hey, I don't know. Titans just are one of those teams this year that are not going to win. Tannehill, no Tannehill, doesn't matter. Just doesn't matter. Maybe the Panthers are getting better. They just ran out of time. And I'll tell you this, Jordan Love can sling it. You guys get mad at Jordan Love all you want, but I'd, I'd keep Jordan Love around. I know everybody wants the next best thing, but Jordan Love fires the ball, man. Jordan Love throws it pretty good. I saw him make a throw off his back foot in traffic about 45 yards with some zip on it. I don't know. Hey, you know who the real MVP of the league is? C.J. Stroud. Why? Because the Texans stink without him. Joe Flacco to Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper had 7,610 yards all in the first half. And Joe Flacco's old as me. 
He is. He's old as meat. And Joe Flacco, who was sitting on a couch two weeks ago, even when he wasn't sitting on a couch, everybody kind of was ripping Joe Flacco left and right. And I'll never understand it. Dude won a Super Bowl and was really good doing it. But Joe Flacco has resurrected not only his career, not only the Cleveland Browns, but the debate on whether or not you should give big money to damage good quarterbacks. Now, look, you got to give money to a guy like Mahomes. You got to give money to Allen. I get that. But Deshaun Watson was damaged goods. Deshaun Watson couldn't lead blind turkeys to take a dump. That dude got $300 million from the Cleveland Browns, and he hasn't played. You know what I'm saying. He's played a minute or two, but he really hasn't played. So now you bring in Joe Flacco, and Joe Flacco is literally It's like, damn, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco to Amari Cooper is the most dangerous weapon in the NFL. Tell me I'm wrong. I know C.D. Lamb is great. I understand. But you got to give Joe Flacco immense credit. And and one of the things Joe Flacco has done is, well, I wrote it down that he's changed the narrative on his career. And I'm not sure that he has it. Listen to these numbers against Houston, 368 yards. Now he's thrown some picks. He's thrown two, uh, five picks in two games, but come on. He's got 10 touchdowns and seven interceptions, but damn, he's also thrown for 1300 passing yards. I don't know the seven interceptions a bit, but listen to these passing numbers, 254. His first start at L.A., 311, 375, 368. He's got 1,300 yards. It's the most yards Joe Flacco has thrown for since 2019. Holy cow. And we got some season left. Like my mug, I got it for Christmas. Dan Dockett, sack up. Yeah. See that? Pretty cool. I think I'm pretty cool. Got this for Christmas too. Go to the go to the Outkick store, shop.outkick.com. All right. But anyway, raise a glass to Joe Flacco. I am. I should. You should too. It's a fun story. And I got to tell you, he's resurrected the fan base and given a fan base that hasn't been to the Super Bowl ever, ever, I said, a lot of hope. Hmm. Hey, the Dolphins, Dolphins got it done against the Cowboys, and I don't blame Micah Parsons for being pissed. I'm sorry. I just don't. I'm tired of roughing the passer. I'm tired of chicken blank penalties. I'm tired of looking for the flag. I've watched more football this weekend. But the bottom line is this. Tony Pollard's not great. Tony Pollard's not great around in the red zone. He's got to score. He had a a sweep. He didn't get in. You got to score when you're in the red zone. And, ladies and gentlemen, My man, the sack man, the sack attack, he nailed it. When the tweet or the text came in and said, we're taking the Patriots plus whatever we took them and on the money line because the 84% rule was in play, the field goal went through, the text started coming, the sack man and I, sack man got it done. Sack man got it done and so did Bill Belichick. 
and Sean Payton and the Broncos go down in a massive game at home, and their playoff hopes went from like it was going to be 42% if they won to 5% with the loss. Yes, I said it, 5% with the loss. There you go. But but I got, man, Zappy the quarterback, kicker. All right, I, I, I wrote this kid's name down, and I can't read my writing. But the kicker, the kicker for the damn Patriots literally, literally went from, and I'm being literal here, went from, I'm going to get cut, Chad Ryland's his name. He missed an extra point. He missed a field goal. He was like, he, he was like 17 to 24. He knew he was going to get cut. He had to know he was going to get cut. He's working for Bill Belichick. You cannot, you cannot miss kicks like he was missing kicks. And this dude drills a 57-yarder for the win, and the the world changed for him in one stinking kick. So Ryland goes a 56-yard, excuse me. He goes from literally standing on the sideline thinking, man, they were up 23-6 to or whatever it was, 23-7, going, man, this is a great win for us, but I'm not going to be here on Tuesday because I'll get cut on Monday to being the hero, fist pumping. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what makes sports cool. Very, very cool. Hey, anybody want a Draymond Green update? Remember Draymond Green? He of the crazy, he of the out of control, he of the completely nuts Golden State Warriors, and he was allowed to be completely and totally nuts. He was in, enabled by Steve Kerr. He was he played for a coach that was afraid of him. Steve Kerr was. And next thing you know, guess what? He, Draymond Green, is suspended. He, Draymond Green, is away from the team. He, Draymond Green, cannot play. Anyway, so Draymond, oh, I screwed this up. Anyway, sorry, guys. Draymond Green is on the path to redemption. Draymond Green's making a comeback. Draymond Green is going to go, hey, let me see what we got here. Well, now he is taking steps to get back. Beyond individual counseling sessions, which is what Draymond Green has to have, suspended Golden State Warriors Draymond Green is participating in periodic virtual meetings designed to chart his progress towards reinstatement. That include team league and union officials. Well, let me ask you a question. How do you really know? Like basketball is so emotional. Sports are so emotional. How do you really know? Well, you know, I think Draymond's better. How do you know? Well, I'm, I've been talking with on zoom. Okay. Best thing for Draymond Green. Consequences for actions. Your actions have hurt others, physically hurt others. I, I don't care about the feeling of hurting others. I don't care about hurting someone's feeling. But when you punch pool and you punch out and you go nuts and you're out of control and you, you think you're bigger than you need consequences. Because the bottom line is he thinks he's bigger than the league. He thinks he's the showman of the league. He thinks he's the bad boy of the league. He thinks he's the mouth of the league. He's got all those things going on. And you know what? The league goes on without you. 
It just does. It goes on without Larry Bird and Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Will Chamberlain. You want me to go on? I could. The league just keeps going. You ain't that important. So if I were in charge of Draymond Green, if I were the guy that said, I want the best from Draymond Green, it would be Draymond. We've warned you. Counseling is mandatory. Zoom meetings are great, but you ain't playing for the rest of the year. And it will make it next year if you don't do these things. That's what I would do because this is nuts. Speaking of nuts, D's nuts. He's nuts. Jim Harbaugh, listen to this one. Jim Harbaugh has a 10-year, $125 million contract sitting right on his desk. According to Fox News and others, Michigan and Harbaugh offer $125 million, 10 years. It's an extension to stay at Michigan, but the deal comes with an NFL twist. He would agree to hold off on entertaining or accepting an NFL offer until after the 2024 season. Now, this is ridiculous to me. Let me explain something to you. You're going to give a guy $12.5 million to coach football, and he's worth it. Look, I don't know. I would assume getting to the college football playoff has been worth at least $12.5 million each of the last couple of years. I would assume that. And you can tell me nobody's worth it, but if you just did the finances on it, not the crowd at the big house, because the big house would sell out if I was the coach. But all of the ancillary things, whether it is endorsement money for the school, brand name for the school, uh, revenue sharing from the college football playoffs, whatever, he's been worth it. But at some point, Michigan, I would make it three years. I would make a 10-year deal, and I would say, look, for the next three years, you can't entertain going to the NFL, period. One year, what the hell? Two years, okay, maybe. But three is what I would make, and it's still fair to Harbaugh. He would be 63 years old. He just turned 60, and all would be good. And he's probably a young 60. So if I were Michigan, I'd say, wait a second. You're going to have to give us three years. This is a nice contract we're giving you. It's a really nice contract. But you're going to have to give us three years. But you know what? There's a reason Harbaugh hasn't signed this. This contract allegedly has been on his desk for a while. And I got to tell you, if you want to stay at Michigan, unless there's language in there other than the NFL that he doesn't like, and that's certainly a possibility, there's one of two reasons he didn't sign it. One was what I just said, the language. The other is he wants to go to the NFL. He understands the NCAA is coming in. He doesn't need to sit there with not one but two NCAA investigations. He can go Pete Carroll. He can leave immediately. He can wash his hands of it, and he's done. Look, an NCAA investigation, unless that investigation moves to the Southern District of New York, unless that investigation moves to the FBI, unless that investigation moves to the legal process, not the NCAA process, the moment he resigns and sign, doesn't even have to sign anywhere else. The moment he resigns from Michigan, it's over. 
He does not have to deal with this. The moment he signs or resigns, done. NCAA violations. Do you think these billionaires, Jimmy Ursay, the rest, Jerry Jones, all these guys care even a little bit about Jim Harbaugh working somebody out during COVID, about Jim Harbaugh assistant taping games or his staffer taping games? Or do you think any of these guys care even a little bit about an offensive coordinator that is trying to hack into computers of other teams? He does not care. They do not care, nor should they ever care period period and that ladies and gentlemen is what harbaugh is moment now stand up dude might say all right i put us in this mess i'm going to be here to clean it up that is what you're going to hear harbaugh say if if he signs the deal to stay he won't he'll leave I think, but if he stays, he's going to ride in on his white horse and Hey, stand up dude does that. I put us in two investigations. My staff is under siege with the FBI. These problems were caused by me. I preach accountability. Well, I've got to stay and clean it up. Won't happen, but it should. Hey, Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams, bears fans. Listen up. Caleb Williams, the quarterback that just wants to go grab his dog and have a hug. He kind of liked, this is the world we live in, and it's awesome. He liked tweets saying that the Bears shouldn't draft it and should stick with Justin Fields. That's right. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This We go to who likes what. That's what we go to. Maybe he wants to go to the Bears, and you see it right there. He liked it. Only one option for the Bears 2024. It's not Caleb Williams. We want Justin Fields. Caleb Superman Williams. Yeah, scholar is what Caleb Williams is. These guys are really deep. Yeah, I love it. Rappers and athletes are really deep guys. They're hard to keep up with. Anyway, Caleb Williams liking something. I put no stock in. I don't care. You don't want to go to Chicago? Hey, man, we're going to draft you. This dude, this dude is a problem. I hope he's good. Seemed like a really nice kid coming up, but he's got daddy going on, and he's got all of this little crap. I'm going to cry with my mom. I want to do commercials. I want, I want, I, 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 I. Be careful what you wish for, NFL teams. Be very, very careful. Be careful. We'll be right back. I've got some emails from you. I missed you all. I've got uh, I've got a couple interesting guests today. Merrill Hodge is going to join, and I'm really anxious. He and Sean Merriman. And I'm really anxious to see what these guys think. What do they think is the problem with the Kansas City Chiefs? And is somebody dating a megastar like Taylor Swift is that problematic for the team? Is the Yoko Ono thing real? Merrill Hodge, locker rooms forever. Sean Merriman, locker rooms forever. We'll see if they have the same thoughts or are they different? I don't know. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this.
you know, we like to make this an inclusive show because we feel like we have the best chat in on YouTube or anywhere in sports. And so we like to share emails with y'all from y'all. John Buzzard, one of our favorites, says, hey, Dan, your show always brings great insight to how coaches combat things that get in the way of winning. During Dusty May's interview, he mentioned overcoming personal ambitions and the outside pressure that kids are under to go after those personal ambitions rather than focusing solely on team ambitions. He mentioned that whether your kids are on a 13-year-old travel team or in college, they all have to deal with outside pressure. Outwardly acknowledging that pressure, that pressure, instead of helping players cater to it, tells me everything I need to know why Dusty's teams will win and will continue to win. Boy, you're right about that. You know what? It goes back to something that Dick Vermeil told us at Indiana. Don't complicate winning. Don't complicate winning was put on our wall. Now, not much got put on the wall at Indiana University, but don't complicate winning got put right there above the white chalkboard that Coach Knight basically used every day. Complicating winning involves a lot of things, and one of them is personal ambition. What's a personal ambition? I got to get to the league, man. You should have goals. You should have ambition. You should strive. But the fact of the matter is those, while certainly good individually, can't override the team ambition. Now, we talked about that Janelle Davis, the kid from Gary, uh, John Buzzard on Dusty May's team. He's really good. Like, he's a first-team All-American. He had 36 against Arizona, and, and I was dead wrong. I thought Arizona would beat him. I thought Arizona, as good a team as I've seen all year, strong, athletic. And I tell you what, it was a tooth-and-nail fight. Arizona was lucky to hang in there. Dusty May's team was lucky to hang in there. And next thing you know, Janelle Davis and the rest were just too good. The kid from Gary at 36. I mean, that's what you do. You show out. But no, you're absolutely right. I love talking to coaches about those things. I do. Hey, this is from Al uh, Moralchak. After seeing the way Mason Rudolph just played for the Steelers in their dominating win over the Bengals, it made me think. Why has he been sitting on the bench all season? Do you believe the GM and or Tomlin were afraid to admit their mistake and acknowledge that Kenny Pickett is not is just not a starting caliber quarterback? It was also nice to see Pickens let his talent dominate the headlines and not his negative antics for once. Well, let me address that real quick. One of the things that we're seeing in the NFL, and we saw it maybe with Purdy, but we certainly – uh, saw it with Tommy DeVito and Browning in Cincinnati, is there's a reason backups are backups. There's a reason. And if you allow them the opportunity, they will show you why they are backups. So now, who's the next guy up? Now the next guy is Mason Rudolph. And I've said this, and those of you that have watched my shows for years know, I have said this, and I've said this, and I've said this. The first game is usually your best game. The first time you come back from injury, first time you're back from suspension, maybe you transferred, you sat out, you get eligible, second half, whatever it is. That first game is really good. Now, in terms of pickings, I couldn't agree more. Four catches, 195 yards, couple touchdowns, long of 86, kind of dominated the game, even though he only caught the ball four times. 
And isn't that what you want? Like as a coach or a fan or an assistant coach, what you really want is guys to dominate with their play, not with their words, not with their brand, not with a camera on them. No, you want them to dominate with their play. Now, the words and the camera and the brand really matter. You guy like Ocho Cinco, who was good for a couple of years, hell, he's still doing commercials. You know, Fitzmagic, because he had a brand, is now the rage on Amazon doing commercials for DraftKings. He's doing all those things. And that's important. But the most important thing you can do as a football, basketball, baseball, hockey, whatever player is dominate the headlines because you went four catches, 195 yards, averaged 49 yards a catch, and went for 86 yards long and got two touchdowns. That's the best thing you can do. I mean, that beats the hell out of having a clever response, or that beats the hell out of a smart tweet, or that beats the hell out of an idiotic quote, I ain't want no injury. Good for George Pickens. And they actually said it on the broadcast. They said, look, he was able to block out the noise. And I think he did. And I always like to see guys do that. Uh, this is from Steve Well and Dan. I'm curious to see if you had any time to see Trace Jackson Davis recently with the Warriors playing at a very high level with the absence of Draymond. I always felt he was very skilled. That's why I was shocked to see him slide in the draft. The Warriors always seem to find value in later picks. Uh, you ain't wrong. You, you, you ain't wrong. Trace Jackson Davis really has come out of nowhere. So let's go through it a little bit. Four straight double-figure games, 14, 10, 10, 13. On top of that, he's played until yesterday more than 17 minutes in every game. On top of that, he's had a couple double-doubles. 10 points, 15 rebounds against Washington. 10 points, 13 rebounds in a win in overtime over the Celtics. It's been terrific. What I like about Trace Jackson Davis is he grew up. Trace Jackson Davis is a guy that I was told slept with his parents until he left for college damn near. Trace Jackson Davis was never going to go to Michigan State because he couldn't leave home. Now, guess what? Trace Jackson Davis is way out in San Francisco. He's away from mommy and daddy. He's away from all of his comforts. And you know what? Maybe it took him a minute or maybe Golden State was just that good. But Trace Jackson Davis is doing a hell of a job. He is. I like that he grew up. I like that he matured. Indiana had a kid named Yogi Ferrell. Same thing. Big hype. Best fifth grader in the world. Blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? Grew up. Became a winner. Played in the NBA for a little bit. Making money, still playing. I root for Indiana guys. I want Indiana guys to do good, and I'm glad that Trace Jackson Davis really is finally, finally getting his shot. And you know what? Oh, wait. Two, wait, two, four. Yeah, four straight double-digit games. Thought I had that right. Uh, speaking of getting away, speaking of, well, you know, uh, Travis Entian. Travis Entian's mommy is mad. Don't let your mommy get on Twitter. I say this to Indiana people all the time. I would say this to anybody. The Jacksonville Jaguars got their doors blown off on Sunday. Jacksonville Jaguars are sinking faster than the Titanic. The Jacksonville Jaguars are in trouble. 
And Travis Entian's mom, mother, mom, Jesus. Mom says, all I want for Christmas is a new offensive line. Oh, all I want for Christmas is the offensive line blocking for Etienne. Say it, please help Santa. You're an idiot. I'm sorry, you're an idiot. Well, you don't understand about moms. No, I understand about moms. I have a mom, married to a mom, divorced from a mom, have a sister that's a mom, know a lot of moms. I understand moms, but shut the hell up. Moms don't understand sports. Moms need to let their kids, their babies, their, their, their little guy, whatever, my buddy, you need to shut up when he's in professional sports and let him go to work. You need to shut up when he's in college and let him grow up. Nobody needs a mom saying, I want the line to block for Etienne. Yeah? Okay. I guess that's what you want. Good for you. Just moms need to spotlight. Again, the greatest show ever is 30 Rock. And Tracy Jordan's wife needed to have a reality show because she wasn't the star, but she needed to be. Moms. I got two words for you, Ms. Etienne. My ass. That's what I got for you. My ass. Moms, dads, social media of athletes, or excuse me, moms and dads of athletes getting on social media talking about complaining about their kids is just bad business for everyone for everyone don't do it don't do it hey uh those of you that care about this i don't know why anybody would the new york mets set a luxury tax record 101 million dollars to finish fourth in the National League. There you go. Uh, my boys here, Nick and Nick, one of the Knicks is a Mets fan. I don't know how. I don't know why. Like, if you live in New York or you're in New York or you're from New York, I got to ask you a question. What is interesting enough about the Mets that you would want to be a fan? Like, I'll hang up and listen. What's interesting? Is it, oh, I don't know, the team? Is it the stadium? Is it the history, the tradition, particularly when right next door, you got the Yankees as one of the most storied. I don't care if this is like, well, you would doctors, you write a bet. No, no, I'm rooting for the Yankees today, tomorrow. And the next day, if I live in New York city, I'm rooting for them. Like it's my job as opposed to rooting for the freaking Mets. Why would anybody care? I don't understand it. Ooh, this is something after my own heart. Remember a few years ago, I lost four grand first game or first day NCAA tournament. I kept kept live betting, thinking that Ohio State was going to win. Purdue was going to win. And then the coup de gras, I thought Texas, all you had to do was block out Texas, and they would have beaten Abilene Christian. I lost. I owed my family. A lot of people have made fun of this, but I don't care. So I started door dashing. I thought about a way to get more income. So I door dashed for about five months, trying to get to $4,000 to repay my family. Eventually I did. Well, listen to this. A 19 year old Olympian says that a $70 door dash salad are an investment in his body. And that's as good an excuse to justify the obscene cost of food delivery as any. 
One thing I splurge on, DoorDash. I'm seeing $70 meals for like a salad sometime. And I'm like, hey, I don't know how this got to 70, but at least it's healthy. So I'm investing in my body. That's Frederick Richard. Now I got to tell you, Frederick, I think you're full of crap. I do. I think you're full of crap. I DoorDash, and I still actually DoorDash once in a while. Not often, but once if I'm bored, I'll go out DoorDash and send the money to uh, to our bikes program. There was a time I was going about, I don't know, 25 bucks a week just for the hell of it. It kept me out of the house. I didn't want to eat, and I went and did something. But I never saw a $70 salad. At least maybe now in Indy. Now, hang on a second. This guy, Richard, is a gymnast. This guy, Richard, is from Massachusetts. This guy went to Michigan. This guy, Richard, is a guy that I'm sure has traveled the world. Maybe prices other places are that expensive. But I've never in my life seen a $70 salad. Now, Maybe you're getting $70 salad with a $50 steak. I don't know. But I never had a bill that was $70. And frankly, I DoorDash to some really big homes in Indianapolis, like some of the biggest, like mansions. And I never saw a $70 bill. So I think you're lying to me. I don't think you're telling the truth. So I'm not happy about it. All right, let's recap. NFL officiating stinks. Micah Parsons is not happy with it. Micah Parsons has not, in 38 quarters, damn near four games, got a holding call. And nobody probably has been held more. That's not story number one, though. You know what story number one is? I'll tell you what story number one is. Taylor Swift is Yoko Ono. Those of you too young, Taylor Swift is the current pop superstar. She's dating Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey has been mediocre at best over the last few games. His team, the Chiefs, are three and eight with only one touchdown by Kelsey. Yoko Ono was the wife of John Lennon. Yoko Ono, according to Beatles historians, is responsible for the breakup of the Beatles. She got involved. She got too involved. She told John Lennon, your talents aren't being used. You could be bigger on your own. John Lennon, all in love, loving Yoko Ono, said, okay, I'm going to do it. Next thing you know, the world's greatest band ever. Don't at me either. I don't want to hear about Nirvana. I don't want to hear about the Stones. The Beatles are the greatest band ever, and it's not close. Long story short, Yoko got John to get out. John went on his own. The Beatles broke up. Next thing you know, Ringo Starr is on his own. McCartney's got wings and Linda. And the Beatles are no more. Sad, really. I think there is a correlation here. I'm going to ask in a minute or three minutes, Merrill Hodge, if this actually matters in an NFL locker room. Merrill played for a long time. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network.
when we have, when people start saying what they're saying about the Chiefs, the only people that I want to talk about this is ex-players. So, all right, the great Merrill Hodge joins us. Merrill, I'm, all right, the Chiefs are three and five last eight. Now I'm reading, well, you know, Taylor Swift is the Yoko Ono of the Chiefs. In a locker room, Do is, is somebody dating somebody like Taylor Swift an issue to anybody? What, what, walk me through the dynamic here. Well, I can sum that up pretty quickly. It's irrelevant. Okay. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Nothing. It has nothing to do. I mean, that's that's um that's a media twist. That's a media um that's the that's actually just tells you how weak and stupid media is and people are. That has nothing to do with the locker room. And they've never been in a locker room. They clearly don't understand the national football league and the dynamics of winning on Sundays. Um, when you win, when you lose, the struggles that exist. And um somebody who sings songs um has Zero to do with it, you know. Okay. I mean, Taylor Swift. And you know, listen, I, I just I know Taylor and her dad um, very well. Scott Swift is a they're, they're a super family. I love that family. Um, I love them because they are a family, you know. I mean, and her her uh, her greatness and brilliance. Um, that like that that'd be like her not having a successful album and saying that um, Travis Kelsey is because she didn't have a successful album. It just. People would be like, what are you talking about? It has nothing to do with it. This, she has nothing to do with where they are right now. I try to make the correlation. I coach for a long time basketball. And I'm like, I don't see it. I mean, I look, all right. Um, does here's what I've said, and I, I want you to shoot me down if you think. I'm watching the game yesterday, and I'm watching Mahomes. I'm one of the biggest Mahomes fans there is. I just think he's great. And it kind of hit me like, huh, this team has kind of lost respect for its opponent. They're like, like they're trying to make plays instead of just throwing it away. They're, they're running some weird plays that you read. On. I'm like, wait a second. You, if you don't respect total respect, football gods will kick your ass. Yeah. I, I, and, and it just hit me when I was watching Merrill, like, man, that you gotta have a little more respect for your opponent than what you're doing. And they learned that respect. Give me your thought on that. Well, Dan, I, th I think you're close. Now, now here's what, um, you know, as I was watching it, and I think where you're trying to go or because you know enough about sports, you, you hit the tree, you miss the target. In our league, there's there's two things that are, are going to tell you the outcome, okay? Turnovers are going to tell you a big idea of the outcome, okay? You, you just don't get that information before the game. So how that unfolds, you'll never know, but it does play a significant role in who wins and who's who who loses. Um, turnover ratio was not very good for the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, in that particular game. And then the area that requires self-reflection from the entire team, and when I say the entire team, coaches are a part of the team. You know, I'm watching this, the game, and this has been a notorious problem for the Chiefs. Really, and Andy Reid's mindset is <clears throat> they acted like they were down by 40 points with a half to go. You're down a couple scores, and what do they do? They almost look – they completely negated the running game. So why, where does the running game become so valuable? Why is it so important? I'm going to tell you this. This is why the Ravens will always be in every game. Teams that do this will be in every game. This is how Detroit has built themselves to where they are today. Well, the 49ers, aside from all those interceptions, 
it's why the 49ers are actually so dangerous. It's what got Philly to the Super Bowl last year. It is some of their demise now. When you have no, when you're, when you do not have the ability to run the run foot run the football and control the tempo of a game in the National Football League, it is hard to win consistently. The most important aspect. I mean, listen, I worked with, played for Chuck Noll, played for Bill Cower. I, I worked with people like Bill Parcells, uh, Marty Schottenheimer, um, and I could go on and on. I mean, I could, I, John Gruden. I could go. The list could go on and on. And we always talk in conversations about, you know, how do you win consistently in this league? And there is one thing that you must control and do on a consistent basis. If you remember when the uh, Giants beat the Buffalo Bills, when it was such a mismatch, the Giants didn't have the offense that the Bills had. What did they do? It's almost like they, they, they did what Muhammad Ali would do, okay? When he thought he was outmatched, what he would do is he'd rope a dope. He'd got, let the guy wear himself out, and then he'd pull his magic out on him. Well, controlling the tempo of a game in National Football League is the most important aspect to win consistently. The phase that you have to have and be able to do that with is your running game. And if you do that on the offensive side, you completely negate the opponent. You control the opponent. And the Chiefs in a, a two well, – listen, they're down, I think, about by 10. But you have two – you got two quarters left. That is not a time to start chucking it around on every down. And that's what they get. It's almost like – well, you know what? We got to get everything back right now. We are in. We're down by thirty. It almost felt like I'm like, how far are they down? I, I was like, I walked in. I'm like, how far are they down? All they've done is try to throw the football. Try to throw the football. They never reset their offense. They never calmed down, and they never controlled the environment of the game, the tempo of the game again. They can't play into that that erratic mode that the Raiders had them in. Shoot, the Raiders couldn't complete a pass, but what could they do? They ran the football right down their throat. I mean, they controlled the environment of the game. They couldn't complete a dang pass. But they got the turnovers. They got, kept them in a panic mode. And if the Chiefs keep playing like that, they just it's going to be hard to win in the playoffs with the good teams. And that, that phase of theirs has always been lacking. But when they won the Super Bowl, it was the thing that really manifested throughout the season. You know, Dan, back – when they, when they won his first Super Bowl with Kansas City, it was really the thing that stood out with them and what what helped them as a team. And they need to find it somehow um, in order to stabilize that that team. Backups are the rage in, in the NFL, right? Backup quarterback. Now, there's a saying, and this proved certainly to be true in college basketball where I coach, is that backups will show you why they're backups eventually. You know, right. starters will show you why they're starters. Are we seeing a little bit of this, you know, with DeVito being Ben's Browning struggling a little bit, or is it just normal in the NFL? You're, you're going to struggle sometimes. Well, listen, there's a, yes, you're going to struggle. There's nobody that's going to just play. Right. But, you know, listen, we always talk about this. Like, Wendy, if you really as coaches, okay, I bet you you said this, you have secret meetings you would never share with the media, never share with the players, you never want the players to know this. If you want to play playing your best football, when is it? December. Playing your best football in September. Now we got to win in September and October, but playing our best football then and maintaining that to January and February is a hard and arduous thing to ask of your team. So you want to start getting your best rhythm around December and then take that into January and obviously the first part of February. But you, you, when you mentioned backups, um, you know, from a quarterback position, see, there's a whole level level of um, complications there. The finances, you know, when you start paying people, 
the, the amount that they're paying them, you don't have money to go get good backups. It's hard to find good backups that, that, that would serve as that. You, you almost are subject to what money can buy you. And that's not going to probably be the kind of backup that you're going to probably need to maintain you if your starter does go down, especially if you've committed so much money to them. Now, you know, what's an interesting, as soon as I say that, you know, I don't know what Joe Fat Flacco got, you know, based on when they got him, they, they probably got Joe Flacco, you know, at, at the, at the bottom basement price, you know, now based on his years in the, in the league, he gets X amount, no matter what. I mean, they don't even negotiate that. They have to pay him X. I don't even know what that, that is, but it isn't a hundred million dollars. You know, it isn't 10 to $20 million. I mean, where they were able to get go Joe Flacco actually is, is probably one of those financial lux, lucky charms that they end up coming across because to get a Joe Flacco throughout the year and sign him prior to that would have cost him them tenfold, which they wouldn't probably been able to afford based on how much money they have in their quarterback and the rest of their team. Flacco has been a great story. He's thrown the ball to the other team a few times. What is it? How does a guy come in? You know, they always say, well, he came right off of the couch. How does a guy come into an NFL locker room where he, and, and do what he's doing? How difficult is that? He's made it look kind of easy. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think that depends on what kind of team you have, you know, what is your, what's your missing link. Um, and ironically, Cleveland had a missing link of the quarterback just being consistent and complimenting it. You know, what they're trying to do, they're trying, you know, when Chubb went down in Pittsburgh on that Monday night, you know, that was the heart of their team. That was the foundation of the team. You talk about, you know, Cleveland having a shot when Chubb was there is because of their commitment to running the football, how that permeates on both sides of the ball, controls the temper, the tempo, keeps defense off, less snaps being played. I don't know if you watched the Raven game last night with the 49ers. The 49er defense is one of the best defenses in football. But how many times can they withstand getting the ball in their territory around the 25-yard line? About four times. They withstood three times, and then that fourth time, they cracked them. And the next time, they cracked them. I mean, it, it, that's as good as that defense is. That's why one of the best stats I've always said, whatever team ends up, that defense ends up being the very best in football, this is probably the number one stat that they are going to have on their side. They played the fewest snaps. It's usually one of the best parts of great defense is they play the fewest snaps. So, you know, that means offense has to do something to complement that. But Joe Flacco walked into the a defense that was one of the top five in football. They still, even though they lost Chubb, com stayed committed to the running game. They had that established. They had that mindset. They just needed now somebody who understood that and could complement it. And because of his experience in the league, you don't have to teach him that or talk him into that. He's played in that environment. He was like that with the Ravens. That's exactly the style he played when they won the Super Bowl. So he understands that. So he's, he's actually like the perfect person to fall in to what they needed there. And that rarely happens that you have that magical, perfect person that understands the environment because you played in the environment. You won a Super Bowl in that environment. You were the MVP in that environment. We just need you to do that same type of thing here. That's yeah, fascinating. All right, Micah Parsons, very, very vocal about officiating what's your stance on where officiating is in the nfl well here's the problem with officiating is that um we act like officials aren't going to make mistakes now i could tell you this from studying officiating i, I helped create a, a, a program in the national football league called the way to play program 
And the way to play program was actually established by watching how officials were um, flagging the quarterback, the, the, you know, the penalties they were calling or missing. And it was, this is way back when, when Cam Newton was complaining that he was taking hits that, that he didn't get flags for, but Tom Brady would. And what ended up happening is I had to study all of his plays. I compared him to Alex Smith. I compared him to Philip Rivers. I took a mixture there where Alex Smith was similar to Cam as far as mobility goes and wouldn't be considered like, you know, um, the Holy Grail, like a Philip Rivers, who's a pocket guy and might get some differences. So there's some 900 plays I looked at, all of these guys collectively. They had a little over 300 apiece. Okay. I found 10, 10 that the officials missed. And listen, I was, I was brutally hard. Like if, if somebody's arm hit somebody up around the chest, just, I mean, that's still okay, but it was close to the head and they didn't call it. I actually penalized the official for not for missing the flag based on how the rules. And I sat on the committee to help, you know, clean up the league and to help establish how we're going to um, how we're going to protect the quarterback better. So I was part of that committee too. So it isn't like I didn't, I was a fly on the wall. I was part of that and how, how to help it. So watching the officials and seeing how, you, know, you can tell an official what to look for and how to look for where their eyes are. But now, you know, you and I could watch a play. You could throw a flag. I couldn't. So, you know, that's where the discrepancies come to. We're not always going to see it exactly the same, especially when it happens like that. And I really walked away going, holy cow, these, these players are so good. First of all, that's what stood out. That's what became the way to play program. I go, we need to start recognizing players for playing a game right, create ambassadors in our league. The only time we hear about somebody doing bad is is when they do something wrong or an official misses a play. There's about 185 plays in a game. When you look at all the plays, there's about 180. Special teams, offense, all everybody that's playing. If an official misses one or two, I mean, from a percentage perspective, it's pretty dang good. I mean, it's pretty dang good. Now, I understand sometimes that could be in a critical moment, and that's all people are going to talk about. And we lose perspective of, you know, the environment that they're in, what they have to handle. And I think when you looked at, when I looked at the whole perspective, I was, I was impressed by officiating. And that's why when I talked to Roger, I was, I was like, don't ever, ever, ever make these guys full-time because you know what full-time will mean? Do you know what full-time means to you? You know what full-time will mean to most, to almost all everybody who hears it? Full-time means now we won't make mistakes. See, everybody wants, oh, well, let's go full-time because then you won't make mistakes. Okay, well, that, that's it's moronic. You're still going to make mistakes. I mean, it's, first of all, life is about mistakes. And that environment that they're in is a high, high, fast occupation where things happen at warp speed and things are going to be made. Mistakes are going to be made. But I still think officiating um, is still very good. Um, is there some inconsistencies, you know, They've cleaned it up about the quarterback. I think they've gotten a little better, but there's always going to be a, dis, dis, um, a discrepancy there. This is this, this always will. What I would like to see them do there, because that penalty is so can be so wounding to a team, is be able to pick up the flag. Because with, with replays that is so good and with the way teams can be looked at so fast, you could you could pick that up. Go, you know what? That wasn't a hit around the head. Or they do that. I think they do that in college with the. Uh, targeting rule they look at it and they decide they throw a flag and it was or wasn't and i think you could do that in that particular area and i think that would help get that more accurate and less frustrating um flag with with players and fans 
Yeah, you know, one of the things that's easy to do, it is easy to criticize it, you know, particularly pass interference guy touches them quarterbacks. But, you know, the pace, interesting that you talked about watching so many plays because when you, when I was broadcasting at ESPN in college basketball, I used to watch three, a lot of different ways to do a game, but it would be, I just watch the offense play after play. I just watch it. And when you watch something like that, it is amazing when you're talking about 300 plays a piece that you find so many, uh, you just, you just have a better feel than watching offense to defense or defense on boom, 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 boom. You get a rhythm and you just, you, you tendencies just shine through everything. Correct. Yeah. That's why, you know, when people, I forget to watch in a game. That's why I've always said TV lies, highlights really lie. Because a, a game will never tell you the truth about anybody, anything. You can right. guess. You can guess. And, and with your experience in college basketball, let me tell you this. You're probably not that far off. But if you want clarity, you and I both know, man, let me go watch the tape and watch, like you said, offense for 70 straight plays, defense for 70 straight plays. Offense for three straight games, 100 and um, right. 200 some plays together. And then I'll have some clarity on who they are, what they do, not just watching a game. Now, if I put a highlight reel together, well, I'm really going to I'm really going to be fooled by what that I mean, should I could probably put a highlight reel together of me and go, you know, he's not that bad at 59. I think he could. Right. Play. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, it is, man, he just tape doesn't lie. And that's why the value in it. And like I tell people, if I, if I can't watch tape, I will never – I'll stop doing this business. I will never make a comment. I'll be as irrelevant as anybody else once you stop watching tape. I don't have, care how long you played. I don't care how many Super Bowls you won. I don't care if you're a Hall of Famer. If you don't watch tape, you are irrelevant. And if you want to – if they go, oh, that's bulky, played a game, he, he clearly sees things that the normal fan doesn't, which I would agree with that. But he can't have clarity to a team and a pure evaluation – without watching tape ask him then if he would ever watch if he would ever play an opponent without watching tape would you right. ever feel like you're prepared without watching tape if they say yes to that then they're lying because there's nobody that could feel prepared without watching tape hey last thing before i let you go this changes uh, maybe it doesn't change for you Who, who's the best team in the nfl after this weekend well i'll tell you this i, I think I mentioned the Ravens. The reason the Ravens will always be in there, their ability to run the football, okay? And their now ability to actually complement it in a passing game at a pretty elite way. And to another phase, which, like, okay, I got this because the Steelers are going to play them at the end of the game. So I, I stay on this division pretty tight. I, I don't always watch the Steelers. I watch everybody in the division because you got to stay on you know, this offense, what the Ravens do, they've elevated the RPO game. So I know I think most people know what an RPO, it's a run pass. You know, the quarterback will take the snap. And sometimes, like, the there's a bunch of ways to do it. Like, quarterback will fake the handoff, and then he'll throw it. Or he just pulls out, and he just throws it over to the wide receiver. Well, shoot, what the Ravens have done is they'll go empty. And because the quarterback is so dynamic as a runner, they have now have RPOs from an empty formation, meaning – they are actually doing a run play for the quarterback, but Lamar is checking one side or the other, and he's going to throw it first. If he doesn't like it, then he runs. I've never seen that. And, and, and you can't do that with – there's no other quarterback I can think of in football right now that you would do that 
that you would do that with. And it's going it puts a huge burden on the defense, but because they can run the football so well, and because they have that wild card and the way they play defense, I, I just, I don't know how you can't look at them as, as, this, as the best team in football and what you have to have to win a championship. Cause they have phases in the running game, they have phases in the passing game. They got phases in D on defense from blitz to stopping the run um, and special teams. They've matched that. So from a team perspective and teams win championships, Lamar's not going to win it because he's not playing the entire game. The defense isn't going to win it. They're not playing the entire game. But as a team, I think they're the strongest team and the toughest team with the most phases. I appreciate it, man. That's fun stuff. That's great stuff. Thanks for coming on. Anytime, Dan. I always love it. Respect you. And uh, thanks for having me, buddy. Happy New Year to you. Same to you. Happy New Year to you as well. That's a great Merrill Hodge. You know what? That's about as good a breakdown as you are ever going to see. It is. It's about as good as you're ever going to see right there. And again, I'm with him. If you don't watch tape, I don't want to hear from you. Like I have guys say, yeah, I don't watch. Well, then you don't know. I mean, that's one thing you just don't know. And Merrill uh, explained that absolutely perfect to me. Sean Merriman is going to come on here coming up in about 15 minutes as well. Uh, to talk more NFL. Uh, I got some stock up, stock down, baby. Stock up. The division champs, first time since 93? Since 93. Now, I don't know about you, but 7, uh, 23 plus 7, that's 30 years ago in a bad division. Uh, You know, a lot of things go back to the Colts. You know one thing that the Colts did? They hired Frank Reich over Dan Campbell. Now, I'm not saying that's a great move. I'm saying that's a dumbass move, but they did. They hired Frank Reich over Dan Campbell. You know why? Because freaking Bill Polian told them to. Dan Campbell's done a hell of a job. And to Merrill Hodges' point, Dan Campbell brought toughness. They have a running game. And they're in every game. I'm not saying that they are the Ravens, but damn. Dan Campbell. Hey, stock up Mason Rudolph. Look, when you get an opportunity, we told you of the name Wally Pip. Don't know if Mason Rudolph is going to Wally Pip Kenny Pickett, the starting quarterback of the Steelers. But I do know this. The Steelers, who have had an inept offense the entire year, it's the Iowa of the NFL. They looked all right. And don't look now. But George Pickens averaged 50 yards a catch. I know he had one for 86, but still four catches uh, just under 50 yards. He didn't quite get the 200 yards for the game on five catches. He got the 185, but damn, that's pretty good. No, that's really good. So Mason Rudolph, but here's the deal. We've seen it and we'll continue to see it. Garner Minshew with the Colts, eh. You know what? DeVito out. Browning, eh. Uh, Purdy, eh. Now, Purdy is in line or was in line to be the MVP, but for four interceptions, three in the first half last night. The fourth one, I guess you could say, was his fault because he threw the ball, but he did get his arm hit. And look, when you get your arm hit, all bets are off. I did not see most of the Arizona-Purdue game. I think Purdue's the best team in the country. I know that UConn got beat by Seton Hall, and all right. But I'm telling you, if you were going to say who's next, I'm sure I'm wrong about Kansas. But I don't feel like I'm wrong about Kansas, but I got to tell you, Arizona was right there for me. 
And I thought Dusty May's team would get beat by Arizona. I thought in Vegas, big crowd, Dusty May's team, good team, really good team, top 10 team, would get beat because of how good I thought Arizona was. It doesn't mean it's a negative thing against Dusty May in Arizona. It just meant I thought Arizona was really good. But Janelle Davis, the kid from Gary, dropped 36 on him. And Dusty May's team in overtime in a tough, hard-fought, ridiculously hard-fought game got it done. Stock up, man. Uh, the Washington Commanders, look, I don't know what the Washington Commanders are. I don't know what the Washington Commanders aren't. But I do know this. The Washington Commanders are going to be looking for a new football coach this year, and they should. They are awful. They are ridiculous. And, and ladies and gentlemen, they don't even have a future now. Now, you're going to say to me, what are you talking about, man? Well, when you look at the future, and you say, all right, what do we need for the future? What is the first thing that comes to your mind? No, it's not a coach. It's a quarterback. We got to have a quarterback. Who's our quarterback? Well, you know what? We do have a quarterback. He's Sam Howe. He's going to be our guy. Well, let's go through this. Two, four, six in a row. Eight out of nine, the commanders have lost. Now, they made a nice comeback against the Jets. Okay, fine. But you know what they did it with? They did it with Jacoby Brissett coming in, going 10 of 13. They did it when they benched Sam Howell, who went 6 of 22. So now you're like, well, we don't even know if we got this guy's a quarterback. I'm going to give you a quarterback rating. You ready? 1.7. Ready for 1.7. Not 17. 1.7. We could round that up to 2. Now, Brissett comes in, and he had a quarterback rating of 123.9. So now you don't even have your stud, I don't know, your ho your hope. Your, your, you know, the great white hope of Sam Hall is no longer the great white hope. And then, of course, Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers, you stink. Wide receivers, tight ends, you guys drop balls. I mean, all you do is drop ball. How do you guys drop so many? You know, as a wide receiver, you got one job, catch a pass. Catch a pass. That's it. Just, hey, look, catch a pass. That's all we're asking. Look, you know, George Pickens, I don't want to get hurt or ain't getting no injury or whatever the hell he said. I don't know what he said. But they lead the league in drop passes. And I got to tell you, the drop passes are killing you. A drop passes. All you got to do is look at Patrick Mahomes, and he's pissed. They lead the league. The receiving stinks. Speaking of stinks, you you go get the number one pick in the draft, Kate Cunningham. You go get Jaden Ivey, who we all told you be careful. Yes, cute story of his mommy. Yes, explosive. Yes, yes, yes. All this. But no, not even a little not even a little involved in winning. I'm just telling you, not even sort of, kind of. 28 games is what the Philadelphia 76ers lost in a row. 28 games is the longest losing streak in NFL history. 2014-15 through 15-16. Next, the Cleveland Cavaliers. 26 tied with them, the Philadelphia 76ers, 2013, 14. And you know who else is tied with them? 
The Detroit Pistons of Kate Cunningham and Jay Nivey. 26 in a row. That ain't great. That ain't great. But when you recruit guys that are entitled or you draft guys that are entitled, Dems to berries. We'll be right back with the great Sean Merriman next. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. All right, we're going to keep talking NFL with the great Sean Merriman. So I'm going to ask you the same question I just asked Merrill Hodge. A lot of people are giving Taylor Swift and Kelsey, make, blaming Kelsey or Taylor Swift on the three and five in their last eight Chiefs in a locker room. Does who you're dating matter, even if it's, you know, someone as famous as Taylor Swift? Does this all matter? No. No, but, you know, and the funny part is, is that everyone would always look for an escape goal on something else, right? Um, You know, before you know, they'll start blaming different things on Kelsey and stuff he does off the field in general, right? They'll blame it on a, on a Kelsey podcast. Yeah, they'll, they'll figure out a way of like, oh, he's not focusing on the game because he's doing this podcast, right? He's not focusing on the game because he's at, a te- at te- all the Taylor Swift concerts. And whenever you have somebody that big, that with that much notoriety come around, people are always looking for a scapegoat. And the bottom line, the truth is that they're just not playing well. I'm uh, Patrick Mahomes is not. That defense isn't playing as well as they were. They, they're not blocking for him as well. But they will look for an escape goat. And, and if, uh, you know, being a Swifty is uh, is an escape goat, they'll, they'll use it. You know, it's funny. I, I, was, I was showing a tweet today. Here it is. Travis Kelsey's priority list. One Swift, two Pfizer, three Bud Light, four podcasts, five catching passes. Exactly your point. <laughs> you know, I, look, I was—I wasn't gonna say it, but I knew—I knew that uh, the, the the shot was gonna come up at some point in time, right? And him not being able to play well. The truth of the matter is, man, they're just not the same team that they once were. They're not as dominant. Um, they don't have the playmakers they once were. They once had, and it's starting to show that they can't rely on Patrick Mahomes' greatness with just it being him anymore. They have they, he, you know, he needs a supporting cast. Yeah, to that point, the drops are embarrassing. I mean, they lead the league in drops. Kelsey dropped one early, other tight end. Well, how do you explain? Like I always said, like a wide receiver, I know they ask you to block once in a while, but you got one job, catch a damn ball. Yeah, it, it's been embarrassing for them um, in, in multiple di- uh, positions, but also it goes to the fact of of them, um, you know, just just hanging by the hanging by the thread and living living and dying by the sword of, of Patrick Holmes. Hey, we got a great quarterback. We don't need anybody else. And Kelsey, you know, we got we got Pastor Mahomes and Kelsey. We should win football games. And, and right now, that's coming back to bite him in the ass, to be honest, because uh, they've always had a star wide receiver or somebody that can get Pastor Mahomes going when necessary. And they don't have that right now. So we're we're seeing probably one of the worst Chiefs teams we have in the last several years. All right, your your guys. The Los Angeles Chargers, they get rid of Staley. They play well. Uh, are we going with Belichick? Are we going with Harbaugh? What, what, what's the word? You, you know, it's, it's hard to say um, because you, you got some great names, right? You got some great names in the, mix, in the mix. But the truth of the matter is, is that whoever you bring in now has to get the job done. There's, there's no more trial and error periods. The next coach come in, doesn't have a two or three window to figure it out. 
Um, but I, I don't think Bill Belichick is the guy. I just I just don't. I don't think he's the coach to come in. Um, I think that he, in my opinion, is not going to be, a, be able to relate to a lot of the team now. I think you, he, he's going to come in and want way too much control. Um, and I'm and I'm just speaking out of of just of his tenure at with the Patriots and you know him how much control he has, how many decisions can he make on his own without having to go to you know Mr. Kraft or some somebody you know some somebody the people in the front office. Uh, I just don't think that's going to fly with the Chargers. And if you are going to go that route and getting a big name coach, it's going to be Jim Harbaugh. But there's no guarantee. You know, People are not talking about this. There's no guarantees when someone comes in. Like, there's no guarantees that Bill Belichick is just going to come in and win 12, 12 plus games. There's no guarantees. And I think that when people see these bigger names, they think that, oh, they won in the past, so they should be able to come right in and win for us. And it just don't work that way. Do the Chargers have a talented roster? Yes. And, but, but more importantly, they have a talented roster at the most important positions on the field. If that makes any sense, right? You got an all-star, uh, all-star quarterback. You got an all-star left tackle. You know that the, the guards for that team, Zion and those guys, they can go. You got a wide receiver, the squad that can capable of playing. You got a pass rusher in Thule, the the new the the rookie there that they brought in, uh, that they drafted. You got Derwin James, you know, a nice anchor back there in the secondary. Now, you know, they can get better at one of the corner spots and find somebody in the nickel position. Maybe find a bigger D tackle or something like that to stop the run. But for the main positions for the Chargers, this this team should make any GM or any head coach just out there on the street or thinking about coming and taking this job line up at the door because of what they're walking in with those type of positions I just named. Well, having said that, were you surprised Telesco got him uh, fired as well? No, no, not at all. I mean, we we know the saying, man: you bring in your people, you go out with your people, and that's <laughs> that's kind of you know that's what happened, right? I mean, he he. I, I thought that Telesco had, had put together on paper, I thought he put together a pretty good roster, right? As you look at it before the, before the season started and J.C. Jackson was there and, and Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, Derwin James, Keenan Allen, Mike Wade. You're like, man, this team is loaded. So in my opinion, I think that Tom Telesco did a pretty good job at assembling a good team. He didn't do a good job at evaluating talent and bringing his guy, Brandon Staley, in. And that is ultimately what got him pushed out the door. You know, you you live like we talk. You live by the sword. You die by the sword. You bring in your homeboys. You bring in the people that you want to bring in. You go out with your homeboys. You go out with your friends. And, and that's exactly what happened. You know, it is interesting. Why was Staley hired? What, what, what did he have that everybody wanted or that the Chargers wanted? I know exactly what, you know, he, uh, uh, Coach Staley called me the night he he got hired and we talked on the phone for about 25 or 30 minutes the night that he got hired. And, and then I tell you, man, I, he, I was ready to run through a wall. You know, he said all the right things. He came in, um, very focused, very laser focused on who he wanted, what he wanted to do. Uh, talking about a lot about bringing, bringing back the former guys who were big in the organization that kind of been missing a lot of, a lot of guys kind of disappeared, wasn't around the organization enough. He was very data driven, right? You know, numbers game. He was all on point. He had a very new school approach, and he also uh, was a damn good hype man. I mean, it was times I've talked to him on the phone. I'm like, you know, I can play for this guy, right? I can, I can, I can see him turn this thing around. So I know why he was hired. I don't fault the Chargers at all for for hiring Brandon Staley because he's a great interviewer. What I what I do say that I fault anybody for is just hanging on with him too long. 
and seeing if he was going to turn around when he he showed no um no path of change. He even got to the point where towards the end of his um his his coaching there that he was firing back off at the media. I don't know if you if you guys remember that or saw it. He was firing back off at the media for asking very normal questions. Hey, what in the hell is going on out there? And so when I saw that he couldn't handle himself in the media, uh, you know, when shots were being thrown at him, I knew that he wasn't he wasn't the guy for the job because you you have to, you have to as a head coach, you have to learn how to bite the bullet. And you're not going to want to go answer those questions in front of the media all the time. You're not going to want to jump out there. You have to learn how to be in that position. Once I saw that he wasn't capable of answering those questions without, you know, firing back off the media, I knew right then and there that he he, he was going to be there. Who would you like to see be the coach? Well, you know, I, I'm always – I want to always like a defensive guy, right, a defensive-minded guy because you can bring in a great offensive coordinator and you can you can live that way, right, if you bring in a great offensive coordinator. But I, I just have something about defensive-minded coaches and, and, and them – kind of establishing their mindset on the rest of the team. I think it all trickles down, right? You bring a defensive-minded coach where defense is first, you're hard-hitting, those guys are physical. The mentality is a lot different. And I use that example, you know, by having Marty Schottenheimer, who was a, you know, defensive-minded coach, very tough. We had a very physical team. Then we, you know, right after him, it was North Turner, who was an offensive-minded coach. And and I'm not going to say we became softer, but we became more offensive driven than we were defense. Prime example, you know, we would be kicking the offense ass in practice. When Marty Schottenheimer was there, it was great, a great practice, right? Great practice. Yeah. When when North came in and we, we kicked the offense ass, it was a horrible practice. <laughs> it was terrible. And so when, when you have a, a defensive and, and offensive-minded coach in there, it really establishes the mentality for the rest of the team. Hey, I want to ask you about Christmas Day. You know, uh, the players like. Did you play Christmas Day? Did players like playing Christmas Day? What what what's the deal with playing? Because I saw. Here's why I asked. I saw the NFL. Uh, they were they were asking about games on Christmas Day, and they said, "Look, we're, we really don't want to play other than, you know, basically Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday if it's on Christmas games where they already have." You know, games. The players fight against it, like it. Where are they at with it? I think as long as guys getting paid, they'll find a way to be okay with anything. <laughs> to be honest, um, but you, you know, yeah, you, you got those, you got those guys, right? I'm, I'm from the East Coast. I obviously, I played for the Chargers, and you know, so it's hard to go back home and see your family during that time anyway, unless they all come out to you. And so, you, you look at the season that six or seven months, man. You're just locked in and. Holidays and all that stuff is cool. You get a chance to be with your family. But for those six, seven months, man, you're just locked into playing football and you try to squeeze everything. Everybody else in, in your life or everything you got going on got to be squeezed into that six, seven months, not not the reverse. So I don't think the players have a, a huge, huge problem with that. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. The first part is as long as you're getting paid, you'll figure this out. But to your point, like when I coached college basketball, it was like you didn't really have thanksgiving you're playing or you're practicing you really didn't have christmas other than you try to give you know schedule so that you can give players a couple of days off but you're you're locked in and and you know what what we got to do we just got to do we can do other stuff in the summer or or the fall or the sp- or spring excuse me that's exactly right 
Yeah, and you know, the, the biggest thing is, too, right, we've been doing it for so long because we've always had to kind of maneuver around our schedule since high school and college for the holidays, right? So we're, right. We're, already, we're already accustomed to that. And then when you get up into the pros, it's a whole different ball game because now you're getting paid, right? So now it's a job. You look at it completely different. But like like you said, man, those six, seven months, you're, you're just locked in. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Ravens the best team in the NFL. I know there's always changes week to week, but you know we can only go by what we see. Who's the best team? I, I said this a few weeks ago, and and the Ravens. What it's going to come down to for the Ravens and that for the Ravens to go all the way, and I mean for them to win the Super Bowl this year, is just Lamar's health. That's that's the only thing that's going to stop the Ravens from winning the ring this year because they're just too damn physical on both sides of the football. I mean, look how they're finishing runs. Their wide receivers are blocking. You know, just they're, they're all an all around in all three phases of the game, more, more physical than any and more efficient than anyone else out there in the NFL. And so with them, they're hitting a stride right now. They, I mean, they're, they're hitting a hell of a stride where you're going into the playoffs. They got health. They're the team that nobody wants to play right now. They're the team that no, no one wants to play for various reasons. But for one the biggest part that I love about the Ravens is just their physicality. Those guys are hitting people in the mouth. They're swarming tackles. They're finishing runs. That front seven is getting after you. They haven't done that in the last couple of years, the way they're playing right now. So uh, it's going to be extremely hard um, for anybody. And I'm talking about AFC or NFC to compete with the Ravens right now. I think Roquan Smith, everybody tells me Roquan Smith, a hell of an addition to that defense for exactly the reasons you're talking about. Yeah, and it's probably one of the worst things the Chicago Bears ever, yeah. ever done. Yes. I mean, they've done some stupid things. You know, they've yeah. done some really stupid things. One, getting rid of Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack is, is what, set, almost 16, 17 sacks on a year, something like that, or, or close to it. Getting rid of getting rid of Roquan Smith, who is one of the best inside backers of today's game. I'm not talking about this year. I'm talking about of, this, of today's game. Him and Queen. Uh, that tandem in there, those guys are just punching in the mouth. They're they're so physical. Um, I don't think we've seen a tandem like Smith and Queen since probably Navarro Bowman and, and Patrick Willis type, you know, in there. So um, I just don't – I don't – the way they're playing right now is, is scary on multiple fronts because they can beat you throwing the ball down the field. Uh, Lamar Jackson is, is more elusive than he's ever been right now and still also – throwing the ball down the field, not just taking off and running anymore. Uh, so when they're playing like this, man, I don't see anybody, anybody can do anything with them right now. What's going on in the fight world? Yeah, we uh, less than two weeks away now. Uh, Saturday, January 6th, Lights Out Extreme Fight 13. Um, this one this one is huge, man. We're, we're, uh, we're, we, lost our, we lost one of our women's fights. That one right there on the car. We got somebody stepping up, but we also have Gilbert Nakatani on here. Uh, Jake Woodley, who's a D1 wrestler. Actually, I got a, a video of him taking down taking down Bo Nickel in practice. Um, you know, and so we got some D1 wrestlers on this card. And we, we, we got the next up-and-coming superstars of the sport. And I really do believe that, um, that some of these guys after this fight will probably be going to the UFC off of this card. So make sure you guys check it out. Saturday, January 6th. Get your information and your tickets at lightsoutexcept.com in Long Beach, California. And we'll be live on Football TV, Football Sports. If you guys don't have football, make sure you get this one. Matter, matter of fact, they, they got a whole uh, fight thing right now. We're running a marathon on Fubo. I forgot to tell everybody that. On Fubo Sports, Fubo TV, got a whole Lights Out Extreme fighting marathon right now during a, during a break in New Year. So you guys make sure you check that out too. When's that start? When's the marathon start? 
It, it started, uh, I believe, uh, yesterday, two days ago. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's so it's running. It got it got all of our, I think, 13, 12 or 13 fights in there, 12 fights on, on football sports, football TV. So you guys uh, sit around. If you're bored, you want to watch somebody get, get kicked and punched in the mouth, check <laughs> out uh, football sports, Life's Out Extreme Fight. I appreciate you, Sean. Thank you. You got it. Thanks for having me. There he is. There's a legend. Yeah, get Fubo Sports. You see it right there Saturday, January 6th, Long Beach, California. Doors open at 3. If you're in the Long Beach area, get out there. Hey, look, calling all OutKick fans starting January 3rd. We are going to be exclusive to OutKick.com. The original and unfiltered programs that you see here will be on our website. You'll be able to catch up on YouTube. We'll certainly have videos on there, but for all the live unfiltered content, head to the Watch tab right there at outkick.com so you don't miss a thing. You don't miss nothing in 2024. Outkick.com slash watch will be your one-stop shop for all things Outkick. You can watch me live at outkick.com. Man, I just saw a picture. I think, I don't know what that picture was of, uh, maybe it wasn't Florida State, but wow. Florida State's had a bunch of dudes leaving as they get ready for their bowl game today, ladies and gentlemen, we got a couple bowl games going on. We got Isaac Zumba Zumba Zoom, Isaac Zumba Zumba. Yay! That is Bowling Green BGSU, Bowling Green State University takes on Row Your Boat guy at Minnesota. I don't know. I mean, at Minnesota, it isn't at Minnesota, but all I know is this: last time I watched Bowling Green, they looked pretty damn good. I'm not gonna lie to you. I got no idea who is opting out for either team, but this is the kind of day you like. It's Monday. It's December 26th. It's at least beautiful in Indianapolis and here in Naples. I'm leaving Naples tomorrow, and I'm very sad as we make our way back home. We're going to do the show on Wednesday, no, Thursday from uh, Nashville, and then Friday we're going to do it from Lexington as Friday night. Friday night, it is Illinois State. I'll be in Rupp Arena. I'm ready to fight all these Kentucky fans. I'm going to wear my Illinois State shirt. Give it this when Illinois State dominates Kentucky Friday night in Rupp. Start throwing hands with some people. That's right. Put them up. Put, I've been boxing. I've been doing boxing. I've been lifting. I got hammers going. And it is going to be sensational. Uh, but that's the story for the week. Hope everybody did get a lot of presents. Hope everybody had a great day. All right. Let's woke a dope it, baby. Let's see what we got. Woke a dope. Woke a woke a dope. Oh, boy. Merry Christmas, America. As Joe and Joe Biden takes a big, fat dump right down your... Boom! What was that? That was a big old turd that Joe and Joe Biden put right down our chimney with... High prices everywhere. You can't swing a dead cat. Not that you'd want to swing a dead cat, but back in the day, people used to swing dead cats. You can't swing a dead cat, damn it, without Joe Biden and his prices just gouging the living hell out of us. Go to the grocery store if you want to think that Jolt and Joe Biden at all have done any good for us. Ah, horrible. Next! All right. Oh, oh, wow. Colorado court charges Trump with child neglect for failing to help Kevin McAllister in home alone too. Well, let me tell you a little something, ladies and gentlemen, 
Uh, Home Alone 2. They didn't ask Joe Biden to show Kevin where the hell the lobby was, did they? Did they? No, they didn't. They didn't ask Biden. They didn't ask anybody. They asked Donald Trump. Donald Trump has been famous for a long time, and people are still mad about it. Don't be mad about Donald Trump being famous. Donald Trump was in Home Alone 2. Donald Trump did kind of, sort of, maybe help Kevin McAllister and the Colorado court system is a joke keeping Donald Trump off of the ballot. Even Democrats are coming out and saying, well, that's not great. Yeah, that shouldn't happen. We will, we await in this instance. We, of course, we await the United States Supreme court for saying, Hey, put him back on. We'll see what happens next. When Santa delivers, oh, yeah, you got to wear the Kevlar, man. Hey, look, Santa's no fool. You guys saw that Santa tracker, and he was over Greenland, and he was over all these places. And then when he gets to Chicago, he got to put the bulletproof on. You know, the word on the street is that that beard that Santa wears, not really made of hair. It is made of Kevlar. It is bulletproof. It's made of helicopter glass. That's right. Santa don't mess around when he's headed to Chi-Town. He don't mess around when he's headed to any Democrat-run city. You come to Indy, you better. Particularly if you got something in your wallet, if you got something in your pocket. You got to wear the Kevlar, baby. You got to wear the stuff. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there you go. When Santa delivers to Democrat-run cities, you got to put the good stuff on. All right, let's recap as we uh, continue on a beautiful, a beautiful Tuesday here. I'm going to take Minnesota today. I just want you to know that I'm going to take Minnesota today. And we thank our good friend, the Sackman. unbelievable weekend. We ended up putting a lot of money back into our accounts because the Sackman got hot as Hades, but today we got bowl games and I'm going to give you the winner of all three, uh, Minnesota minus two and a half. I'm going to take Minnesota. I'm going to take Minnesota. I know nothing about Texas state and rice. And then I have liked Kansas for a long time, but I might put this one on upset alert tonight. I might, I may take UNLV. UNLV has been better. UNLV football. See, Kansas is one of those schools that thinks they're really good in football. They think they're good. They act like they're good. Well, let me tell you something. They were good, but they've lost a lot of players. Don't be afraid if upset alert happens. Now, you got to understand something. UNLV has lost two in a row after beating uh, Air Force. They got beat by San Jose, and they got whomped by Boise. So I'm going to change my bet right now, and I'm going to take Kansas. That's right. That's how I roll. I just think Kansas thinks they're good, and they lost too many players, and this ball is beneath them. And that's a big deal. Maybe I'll have to give my official pick as we uh on twitter before the nine o'clock game i gotta do some thinking i gotta tell you something else the gear we got is good i wanted to ask my youtube chat about this those of you that are hanging in here with us on youtube lee said this to me and i'm curious i was gonna wear this shirt go woke go broke all right and i didn't even think about it I was going to, where were we going that I was going to wear this shirt? 
we were going somewhere and she said, don't wear that shirt. We don't need a hassle. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, people are going to get pissed if you wear that shirt. I said, you think people are going to be like fighting? You think people be mad? I don't know. So I'm asking you in the YouTube chat. I want to know, does this shirt incite people, not to the level of a MAGA hat. We understand that a MAGA hat will make you nuts. We understand that a MAGA hat will make you crazy. But does this shirt make you go, huh? Uh, no, you can't wear it. People are going to want to fight. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. But, you know, uh, my man says, wear it for sure. Van Pasterman says, Dan has a point. Gritty says, uh, Lee knows, always listen to Lee, Double D. Joe to the C says, is that shirt will trigger a snowflake? I kind of think it will. And by the way, did I show you the mug I got? We got to make these for sale. Yeah. Sack up, baby. And then there's our website. If you want to help donate to our bikes program, do it, Dan. Some things are worth fighting for. Linda says uh, the shirt might incite people. 20-inch dub says if you are in Massachusetts, yes, it would. Um, oh, wow. Keith, listen to this. Keith M. says, I don't wear clothes with words on it. Huh. I never thought of that. You don't wear clothes with words on it. Dan, Florida's conservative. You're fine. Who's going to say anything to you anyway? Yeah, I am in Naples, so probably I'm okay. But I got to ask you, it shocked me that this would be an issue. I did not think this would be an issue, but apparently it is. All right, last, last thing I'm going to ask you. Who is the best team in the NFL? The consensus, at least on our show, seems to be that the Ravens. Is that recency bias, or do you think it's actually the Ravens? I kind of thought it was the Ravens. I did. But I'm watching, I'm looking around, and I'm saying to myself, don't sleep. I know they didn't play great last night, but don't sleep on the Eagles. Not sure why, but yesterday, as I was watching the Eagles game, I thought to myself, you know what? This team's pretty good. Now, this team is, I'm not saying they're back to where they were, but I think this team is pretty damn good. I'm not sleeping on the Eagles. I think it's a big game coming up for uh, Purdy against the hapless Washington Commanders. And he needs to get his game back, or you're not winning nothing if your quarterback isn't right. I do think the 49ers are going to still be there. I do. I'm not mad at the Cowboys. I know the Cowboys lost. I know they lost, and it wasn't a track meet. And, oh, by the way, our friend, Sack Attack, did it in that one, too. Under 50 was good all day, which we love. But I'll tell you this, and I agree with 20-inch dubs, it ain't the Colts. It ain't. It just ain't the Colts. I mean, if you're going to sit there and you're going to say to me, are the Colts going to make the playoffs? Maybe because of the ineptness, but damn. Colts don't look great. Bill Martin thinks last night's game was a preview of the Super Bowl. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's wrong. It's pretty good. Have a great day, everybody. See you tomorrow.